Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, April 23rd, 2018, episode 34. This is Tom coming to you from Washington, D.C., and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing amazing. I'm so excited because this is the last episode where we have a draft countdown. It is finally upon us. Thursday, everybody. We're about to get Roquan Smith because we're trading up. You think we're trading up? Yep, we're going. We're going all in. We're trading Le'Veon. Uh, we're trading Martavis, and they're gonna get. We're going right up to number nine. We're gonna get Roquan Smith. Are you guys ready? Well, that is the way to predict the Black Swan event. I'll be interested to see how we do there. <laughs> I think the. Uh, uh, I'm joking, of course. Well, it is exciting. <laughs> finally, finally, we get facts instead of guesswork with these stupid mock drafts and guessing yeah, stupid. and analysis. Stupid. The question analysis. is: the Steelers just go for the. Best athlete available. I think I actually well, think they do. I, I think all this, you know, everybody's convinced inside. And we've been talking about it inside linebacker and safety. I think they've been talking in a way that leads me to believe, and picking up free agents that leads me to believe they're just going to get the best athlete available at the twenty eighth pick. Well, if they get the best athlete available, if he's still there, it's Lamar Jackson. So that's, that's kind of a curveball you're throwing at the listeners. People are thinking, well, hey, Lamar it's, needs it's a two years well, there you go. But Ben's going to be playing for another six. He's got another three titles left in him, so we're going to have to re-sign Lamar even before he starts a game. But his legs will be fresh. That's all I can say. But before we get too excited about the upcoming draft, I need to convey some very sad news. Benny Cunningham died today at the age of 63 from cancer. So – Benny was a prolific player. He's out of Clemson. He was the first round draft pick in, and coincidentally, he was the 28th pick in 1976. Yeah. And it, so, you know, I, I just have such fond memories of the guy. It's, but he, he's not prolific catching. I mean, he, he did make the all Steelers team. What did they call it back in 2007? He did make the all Steelers team back then, but that, you know, he fit a role for the time right. he had. Well, the Titans didn't catch the ball as much during no. that time. He had 200, 200 receptions, a uh, little under 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns, but he did score in the Super Bowl. a season and a half for AB. Yeah, but like you pointed out, it was different then. <laughs> no, but it's totally sad. I mean, tw- 63 years old. Which My Super Bowl goodness. did he score in? He scored in 1979, our last Super oh, Bowl. Oh, over the Rams? Been. Yes. Well, we indeed. needed it. We needed yeah. all the points. It was a little bit of a shootout. Unexpectedly, mm-hmm. he lasted ten yeah, seasons. Cunningham was was Heath before Heath. 
you know, versatile, classic Pittsburgh Steelers mold. That's back in the day where you could still say that players were like a Steelers-style player. Basically up until the last six years, there used to be that kind of guy, like tough, hard-hitting, he'll block even if he's a quarterback. And now we don't hit very hard at all, We, but we do have amazing skill position players. So let's hope we can add one of those hard-hitting guys in the draft. But yeah, Benny Cunningham, man, that is such a bummer. 63 years old, that's way too early, but... Good thing about that guy yeah. is he's a man who's etched his his legacy in stone. Something that'll never be forgotten, especially by Pittsburghers. And Steeler Rushmore. That's right. So as you pointed out, the draft opens on Thursday, April twenty sixth. We we get the first round. So I think the draft starts at seven PM Eastern time. And I just forget what will we will this take an hour or will this take five hours to get to the Steelers? It'll take pick? five hours. <laughs> it's gonna take five a hours. long time because they'll overanalyze like they do everything. You you just imagine they have a hundred players listed in order, but then they're gonna start all the the yeah. uh, permutations and who can we trade up for? I, I don't think they're gonna trade up. Like I said, I think they're just gonna go for the best um, athlete possible. I think they plug their holes with Bostic and um, Burnett. sorry, Burnett. Burnett. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I mean, listen, that's not a bad take because everybody's saying it. This isn't breaking news here, but more than any other year, the Steelers do have that sort of best athlete available. That, that approach is, it makes a lot of sense this year. Now I was trying to say earlier, it's going to be a constellation. It's where those stars intersect is that that need intersecting with the best player. So, like, for instance, last year, drafting Juju, we all thought that was out of right field a little bit. We we were sure they were going to draft a corner in the second round at that point, especially since they had gotten an edge guy earlier with, with TJ Watt. But I think you just saw that the corners who were available to them at that time were ranked a little bit low, and Juju was probably, like, a first-round type guy, and they're like, we can't pass out on this. So that's kind of what I think this is like. We talked about that last week when we said if Darius Geis is available at 28, they're taking Darius Geis. But if it's just Sonny Michelle or some other running back that's really good, they're not going to take him. You know, it's going to have to be really enticing. I don't think Burnett and Bostic, you know, those aren't studs. Those are kind of – yeah, they're patches. But it does at least give us a situation where we're not on freaking red alert where you absolutely have to take one of those guys in the first round. That being said, I still expect the first-round pick to be inside linebacker safety. All right. Fair enough. I think that the Steelers are counting on – or they're calculating on a 50 points per game and giving up 45 points a game. I'm down for it. Let's make it happen. Be exciting. Well, uh, hey, real quick, I do want to say 15 years ago, which is crazy to say, the Steelers did trade up from 27 to 16 – to grab this dude called Troy Palomalu. Who was, uh, there was a cool that. article on him today. Oh, I can't remember where it was at. Oh, it's terrible. I'm sorry, guys. It might have been Fowler from somebody. Regardless, there was an article detailing the Steelers trade up for Troy. And he had had a knee injury or he had some injuries in his uh, last year in college. So he was actually projected to slide a little bit, even though he annihilated his pro day and his stock was super high played for Pete Carroll at USC, but the Steelers didn't even want to wait for him to get there. They traded up to get him. And then, like we said before, they traded up to get San Antonio. So I don't – the Steelers are going to see what happens with the beginning of this draft board, and it's going to be crazy, you guys. There's 
having five to six first round quarterbacks, that is rare. There are going to be trades that are going to happen. I think they're going to look for a guy like Roquan Smith or Derwin James, like we said. If there's any chance they can get past the gauntlet of people who need linebackers from like 10 to 15, they, the Steelers might do that. But I don't think they're going in. I, I, I don't see it happening because that guy is so good. I see yeah. him going around 10 or 11, you know. Well, but it's not out of the question not- at all. <laughs> Plus, the Steelers are going to go dime package 60% of the plays this year, so it won't matter if we have an inside linebacker. Let's move on to the big headline. So there was a little, if not action, a little information. Kevin Colbert and uh, Coach Tomlin had a press conference today. And uh, I will say, as I read over the notes, (laughs) I don't think we got a lot of insight, but why don't you roll with what they said? Well... It just confirms some it sort of reiterates things that they were saying at the combine and confirms some of the stuff that we've been telling you guys, which is of course in no way surprising because we know what's going on. But he re- Kevin Colbert reiterated the fact that the draft is he didn't say it was top heavy, but he said there's a couple guys at the very top of the draft who look like plug and play starters who are studs who he literally I don't know if he's being facetious, but he said have, you know, Hall of Fame potential. And then there's a very uh, impressive group, a big group of potential NFL solid starters. So think like, um, say like a Foster. I'm gonna I'm gonna compare that Willie Gay, someone like that. If not, a lot of Shaziers or some or something like that. So I don't know if that really is code for he thinks this draft sucks, <laughs> or if he really means there's a lot of solid guys out there. But he said that before, and then him and Coach Tomlin reiterated something that they said at the combine as far as. A lot of these players in the draft are like specialists. I don't mean special teams, guys. I mean reflections of the college game where there are linebackers who, let's say, they do one thing really well, like they blitz really well, or a corner who covers man-to-man really well. But their other areas are a little bit weak. And that's kind of a result of the spread system in college, and you see more of that happening now in the NFL, like you were just mentioning, dime linebackers, dime safeties, and stuff like that. So Coach Tomlin interjected and pointed and painted that as a positive. He said, like, I'm really excited to get to work with these guys who, you know, do one thing really well. And then in our minds, we're like, yeah, but he's spent the last five years trying to accumulate players who can do a lot of things. Ryan Shazier, blitz, cover, stop the run. TJ Watt, cover, blitz, swap people. Whatever. So, so he just said he, he likes guys who can only do one thing. He, he likes guys who can only one thing. I, I don't want a guy who can do multiple things. I like a guy who, who just focuses because – so you know what? I think this is all a result of overcoaching. If you go back, why are these college players so unidimensional? Tight ends who can't block. Yeah. Right, uh, quarterbacks who can't work under the center. And it's because yeah. coaches are coaching. These colleges have 125 players on the sideline. Let's mix and match. Let's just see who's going to be the holder this week and have competitions about who's going to snap it. And these guys, I mean, they're not any better athletes in the NFL. That's the thing. You could have multidimensional athletes in college a lot more than you can in the NFL when everybody's, you know, basically a superior athlete. So my point is, I see the your face is kind of scrunched up as I say this. No, no, in college, I, of Drew a superior athlete can can show up more because he's yep. surrounded by lesser athletes. In the NFL, yep. everybody's a 10. Everybody's a 10. So now you have to get a little more, be more strategic, maybe be more of a, a specialist. Why yeah. in college? 
So I understand. I totally agree with what you're saying about like good athletes in college. That's why you see a lot of these running quarterbacks who are studs in college. They're not even considered for the draft. Like Trace McSorley was a beast quarterback for Penn State, and I don't even think he's going to get drafted. Maybe a seventh round kind of guy, just because. You know, like you said, when you get in the NFL, everybody's at 10 and you need to have these other skills. As far as specialization goes, I think that the Steelers brass, so Tomlin and Colbert, are actually just putting up a bunch of smoke screens right now. Because it is really open for the Steelers to take a lot of different um, options. And I think they want to make people think that they're taking a court that they could take a quarterback or they could take anybody, or they could take these players. Because multi-dimensional is the only thing the Steelers have gone for recently. Like I said, they want their linebackers to be able to rush and cover. Uh, Vince Williams is supposed to be a middle linebacker inside run stopper. And the old Steelers defense, that's what James Ferrier would do. He'd only have a couple sacks every year, or Lawrence Timmons. But Vince Williams ends up having eight sacks because guess what? He can blitz. T.J. Watt drops more than any other outside linebacker in the whole NFL. They want people to be multiple. So I'm kind of reading in between the lines of that, saying that's kind of BS. They also said that literally all positions are open in the first round. They won't talk about specific players, but they said even quarterback is, is open. Kevin Colbert said Ben's a Hall of Fame player, but our goal is you know, to keep this team in, in – make sure this team can still win after 2018. You know, So I, I – just do not think they're going to take a quarterback this year, especially when Ben has talked about being around for two or three more years. It doesn't make sense to take a guy right now and sit him on the bench for a while. So I think that you got Landry, you have Dobbs. Why did they do that? I mean, they, they you don't draft a backup quarterback in the first round. You don't draft the quarterback at all right now. Yeah. You're, you're fine with your quarterback room. Exactly. With Landry and Dobbs behind him. But I do think some people would like to see, you know, let's say, excuse me, guys. Um, the 28, Lamar Jackson is still available. They need to make teams think that they could still take Lamar Jackson because they might have an offer from someone in the second round who, who really wants to get Lamar and they'll trade up with the Steelers because they're afraid that they're going to take him or something like that. You know, and then right. the Steelers might be able to move back a few picks, get an early second round pick and, and, you know, potentially get two Two good players instead of just getting one or whatever. So the Steelers need to make it plausible that they could take Lamar Jackson because they might be able to get a nice little draft haul if people want to move up. They did say they're open to moving up or down. They don't usually do that, but when they have done that, it's been pretty successful. I don't think they've ever moved down, actually, to be honest with you, or out of the first round, but they have moved up before. But who knows? I read an interesting article by some economists today who said NFL teams always make a huge mistake. The best bet is to drop because the high drop, every, all the picks are so unpredictable. Drop down and get more picks and spread your risk out over more players. And you, of course, people want to go, they think they're going to go up or they're going to get the sure thing. And we can go through the top 10 picks for the last five years and find out, you know, how many people are actually still playing, how many went to Pro Bowls. But, you know, if you're an economist, you, you want you want to spread your risk out over multiple picks. So that would auger for it dropping down. I get what he's saying, but I think he's off there. If you go to Wikipedia, like they they have draft pages for every single draft, and they show you every player that was taken, and they tell you if he's made the Pro Bowl how many times and this and that. 
and you see it's overwhelming in the first round, that's where all the Pro Bowl guys are. Then you see a couple in the second round, a, a few in the third round, and almost none throughout the rest of the draft. So it's a little bit di- – there's a different breaking point in every class. The top 10 of any class, top 15, like those are, those are studs. Your odds of hitting on those guys are much higher than hitting on a second-round guy and exponentially higher than hitting on a six-round guy. There's only one Antonio Brown and one Tom Brady out of the – Hundreds of people have been drafted in that six rounds. But so. that's the top ten. If you're drop, if you're drafting after the top ten, that things become a lot more sketchy. And I guess their point is that you, uh, it's just harder to predict somebody that low. So definitely, well, well get, it gets harder to predict well get the further you go back. And third round choices. Yeah, it, it definitely depends. I mean, there's if there's an opportunity to move back in early second round, which is like if you're picking at twenty eight. In the first round, that's basically the same thing as an early second round. That's going to be the same caliber of player. So if you – and whatever other draft pick they may give you at that time, uh, obviously they'll have to give you more than the second round. You're going to trade their second round for their, your first round. But, yeah, absolutely. Now the thing is people are going to drop this year because of all those quarterbacks. So there's going to be more talent that's pushed down in the draft, and you're going to be able to get players 15 through – you know, 30. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm definitely not opposed to them trading, trading down, depending on what happens. Okay. This week, we also learned that the Steelers picked up the fifth year option for Bud Dupree. Was there any surprise? No, it's not surprising at all. I know that a lot of people, including us, thought that Bud has had a pretty disappointing career so far, but it really doesn't cost you anything. I mean, obviously you got to pay him for an extra year, but it's pretty much a no-brainer to to pick up the option on him. There's there's nobody else in the pipeline yet. It's fully guaranteed for injury. Obviously, we see that happening with Ryan Shazier right now. But if he doesn't do well that fifth year, then you just let him go, and that's pretty much it. I mean, Grant, he, yeah. I did hear that. I mean, that shoulder injury he had this past year was pretty bad, and he was playing through that. So I don't think he's going to turn into elite guy, but you need solid guys in your defense and. If you can fortify that, you can look at other other positions where you need to upgrade. Of course, you, you need these guys. You need that guy at work, Barry, who yeah. shows up at eight thirty. <laughs> he leaves at five with there his lunch go. pail, sits at his desk, has lunch. You know, it's, it's going to get done. That's but. Yeah, I have hopes for him. Maybe the injury uh, inhibited his performance. Yeah, he's going to get nine million dollars. I mean, I, I'm not sure where the, I, I actually should look to see where that ranks as far as. Um, Outside linebackers, it's but it's a significant amount of money. They they make the and, second uh, most after quarterbacks. We have bigger we have bigger needs than Bud right now. Yeah, well, I guess the wide receivers have crept up there too. But the big time well, pass rushers make a lot of money. Yeah, we have bigger needs than Bud, or bigger needs than Bud. It would be nice to upgrade, but there's other priorities first, and we'll deal with that when uh, we get there. What's amusing is that the Steelers said they had no hesitation <laughs> walking in, and yet. We waited until April 23rd. <laughs> anyway, that's why I take everything these guys you say with a grain exactly of salt. exactly hesitation, didn't you? No, nah, I mean, it's just like we said. It's kind of a no-brainer. It doesn't really – I mean, unless the guy's a total bust like Jarvis was, then, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity for the teams to be able to retain them like this. All right, so the moment everybody's been waiting for, the final preview of the Steelers Outpost podcast. We're going to look at quarterbacks who you and I both have uh, concluded aren't relevant to this draft for the Steelers, but it'll be interesting anyway. 
the Steelers are going to trade up for Roquan Smith, and they're going to trade Roquan for Josh Rosen. I actually thought we're going to put Roquan at quarterback. We're going to convert him to QB. Well, you know, we had Slash back in the day. Antoine Randall out through a couple passes. It's the Steelers' way. Keep it unconventional. This is like the most fun quarterback class ever. (laughs) There is five first-round prospects. All of them are really good. All of them have a major flaw. There's no kind of sure thing quarterback this year like Carson Wentz or even the guys who came out last year, Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky were all more complete than these guys. But they, these guys have been touted for a few years. We've been waiting for the Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson quarterback class to come out. And here it is. So I will we'll give you a brief overview of those top guys who the Steelers certainly aren't taking. And then uh, we will dive into the Mason Rudolph stuff and the Lamar Jackson things because people who are suggesting we take a quarterback, those guys would be the most likely. Okay? So let's just uh, – we'll start with Mason Rudolph. He's 6'5", 225. He's a prototypical NFL pocket passer kind of guy. He's a slow white guy who throws well from the pocket. That's what he is. But honestly, um, I – I think I wanted to be disappointed with him when I watched his tape because I was so annoyed that people kept mocking him. I'm like, so we're going to take the seventh best quarterback in a draft, like, just because he's around at that time? Please, stop it. But you know what? Actually, I I saw some really good things. Let's put it this way. He has two major flaws. He's not mobile at all. He has led legs. And... His arm, I guess I wouldn't call it a major flaw, but he doesn't have a gun. And you're not really concerned when someone doesn't have a strong arm. It's not really about how far the guy can throw it. You kind of rarely ever chuck it 70 yards downfield. Usually you're throwing it with timing. And actually, one of the positive things about this guy is he might have been the best deep ball thrower of all of the entire class. But... When you don't have a really strong arm, what you're worried about is that this guy isn't going to be able to make those 15-yard comebacks to the sideline that you need to complete on third and eight. Or you're not going to be able to squeeze it in the middle of the field in between four guys into the end zone when it gets really tight there in the red zone. You know, That's when you need to be able to throw the ball fast with a nice spiral with good velocity so it gets there. He doesn't quite have that, although his arm's kind of fine. But I will say he looked... He looks very comfortable and advanced in the pocket. After Josh Rosen, he's the best pocket passer. He has good feet. He's not afraid to take hits at all. He consistently delivers the ball when he's getting wrecked, and he's aggressive. He throws deep like every four plays. (laughs) And I know he played for Oklahoma State, and there are a bunch of Cowboys down there, but honestly, he throws the deep ball well. It's a little bit inconsistent, but when it's on, it's nice. Well, Mason Rudolph looks like he's from that factory in Kansas that nobody knows about. Oh yeah, that just stamps out six foot five, two hundred and twenty five pound quarterbacks. Is that where you went to high school, or are you just saying? I just think it. I'm trying to figure just, out where the factory is. Nobody tells it's us. Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh. These guys all. Yeah. You know the cradle quarterbacks, Western PA. You know, I don't think they're mass produced in Pittsburgh as much mm. as they are in the rest of the country, the southeast, the south, the Midwest. Yeah, that's true. California. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, these guys are just uh, coast, there's a, there's DNA designing. They get these guys. They 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 create the player they want. Our guys, 
they're hewn from solid rock or coal by tumulus. Or is it anthracite? When you find a diamond in that coal, whew, that guy's going to be a Joe Montana. Has there been a Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback in the last 10 years? Wait, no, no. I don't think Charles can have Bruce Gradkowski's from Gradkowski, right. Classic, right. Classic. Fortify that quarterback room. He's got a podcast right now. He's he's got a good voice for it, but he's got to work on. He's not that interesting yet. I just picture him with earphones on. What's that? I just picture him with earphones on. That's all I see. He looks great. He's got a good voice. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be coming from. I mean, he he doesn't have the the lucky Super Bowl win that Trent Dilfer rode the Ravens defense too. So you know, he doesn't get a start out there on NFL Network or anything. But he's going to work his way up because Gradkowski, he's a man of the people. But All anyways, right, speaking of the Mason man of the people, let's move. Let's move on to the guy we have been talking about. That is a remote. We feel I feel zero, but some people feel is a remote possibility for the Steelers. That was a great segue that I ruined. So I'm just gonna humbly move into the Lamar Jackson breakdown, dude. Lamar Jackson, he's amazing. Like it, it, he has some things that he needs to correct, but he really is the second coming of Mike Vick. Which is weird because Mike Vick was a number one overall prospect. It was a different time then. But this guy is the best scrambler since Mike Vick. I actually watched – so I've watched a bunch of tape on Lamar. But then I went and watched some Michael Vick running highlights and Lamar just to compare them. And Mike Vick would make you just kind of gasp with reversing the field and breaking some tackles. And Lamar Jackson definitely does that. He When he jumped over that dude to score a touchdown, that was pretty gasp-worthy. But – I see Lamar has more 70-yard touchdown sprints than Mike Vick. So they have slightly different styles, but there have been some great scrambling quarterbacks who come along. Everyone agrees. Lamar, he's one of a kind, or I guess two of a kind, if, if, you, uh, if you count old Mikey. But there was some ridiculous conversation from some old white guys who are, didn't watch his film saying that he should switch to wide receiver. There is 0.0, Blutowski, reasons for this to happen. The dude throws it really well. He's got a really good arm. He has a super quick release, which we know how valuable that is in the NFL when they're trying to get the ball out quick. And he is accurate sometimes. And also like Michael Vick, he just has that kind of wrist flick. Uh, It's not Aaron Rodgers-like at all uh, because Aaron Rodgers is the smoothest human to ever – grace of football field but it is like it just doesn't take a lot for him to to get the ball out and it goes fast and goes far he just his he has one i guess he has two problems but my one problem main problem with him is mechanical and everybody talks about this as clear as day when you see it he has a really narrow base with his feet so that that sounds like i'm getting really technical here but if you watch him it's pretty obvious he sort of just stands straight up and down in the pocket because I guess he doesn't have to be nervous because he's the fastest human on the earth and he can just run away from anybody. But he just sort of stands straight up and down and does try to flick the ball a little bit too much. And if you know anything about throwing, it's all about rotating your torso and getting torque behind it and rotating your legs around and so you can drive the ball. When he does that, he throws fantastic. But he gets a little bit sloppy with those mechanics a lot and it leads to bouts of inaccuracy. So that to me is really encouraging because that's a very specific issue to have and that's fixable. It's not like 
you're in, like an elongated throwing motion that's harder to fix or something like that. It's something that, wow, if you could just fix this one thing, this guy could turn the NFL on its head. Well, A, it's a little unusual. I, I find it kind of amazing. They have a quarterback coach at Louisville, why they wouldn't fix a mechanical thing. Because I would say once he gets to the NFL, he will have people who can fix that. But it's not like the, the uh, NCAA is devoid of quarterback coaches, point one. Second, yeah. he weighs 205 pounds. Yeah. Know, it's a published number. It's, it's just light. You know, is, he doesn't totally. seem like a, a running quarterback, but he can. And, no, he is uh, a running quarterback. I just worry about his uh, sustainability, if that's the right word. No, that's that's a great point. Yeah, his durability, that is a great point. He's going to need to bulk up. I mean, you can only put on so much weight, but Patrick Mahomes didn't look too thin coming out of Texas Tech last year as a rookie. But then when you see pictures of him now after his first full NFL season, you realize, oh, yeah, he was thin. He bulked up like crazy. You see Ben? Look how muscular he's gotten. I mean, he's jacked. It looks amazing. He's at least 30 pounds heavier than he was as a rookie. So you can put on some weight. So, but that's a great point. People get worried about that frame and and you have to be, especially look at the dudes, the two quarterbacks who hit the highest heights last year. I would say there's three quarterbacks who had the most impressive seasons to me. Deshaun Watson in a couple games turned the NFL on its head. Carson Wentz should have been the MVP and Russell Wilson was literally a one man team. All of those guys are running threats. Two of those guys, Wentz and Watson got hurt running. Right. So those guys always tend to get hurt at one point or another. RG3, Kaepernick, um, Russell Wilson was hurt not this past year, but the year before. And that kind of screwed his team. So these guys, the running quarterbacks, they can be really successful now more than ever. Like I just said, that RG3 rookie of the year, he beat out Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck because Kyle Shanahan designed a great offense for him. Colin Kaepernick, that team committed to running an offense that uh, played to his skill set instead of trying to put him into something else. And they went to the Super Bowl, should have won it. And then if you commit to running a, like a, a, an, a, an offense that utilizes a running quarterback skill set, you can be really successful in the NFL. It just seems that these guys, they're going to get injured at some point or another. Which is why I drop down and I get several quarterbacks. I'm carrying five quarterbacks. So That's this is what this is probably a uh, this is an incomplete analogy, but I wonder if Lamar Jackson is the Bill Walton of the NFL with the sort of these this weirdness factor. Bill Walton, and by weirdness, his representation, his mom is his oh, agent. Yeah, so these are the so as you can tell, the way I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, I think besides Josh Allen, who we'll break down quickly, we're going to go through the rest of the guys really quickly because it's irrelevant for the Steelers fans. So if we're taking a while on these ones, it's because we're going to go through the next guys pretty quickly because if it were Ben's last year, I would love to take Lamar Jackson just because, like I'm saying, I think his ceiling is outrageously high. Him and Josh Allen have these outrageously high ceilings but because um, the, the corrections for Lamar – with his physical talents, you can't buy those, and the corrections I think are, are fixable. Also, to adjust your uh, to address what you were saying earlier about the quarterback coaches, from what I've heard, he's come a long way since high school, where he was an athletic stud, and the quarterback coaches did bring him a long way at Louisville, and it seems, but he can still keep growing. And also, there's like a 20-hour practice rule in college, so now you can really get guys to, to grind down on him. But yeah, his mom's his agent, and there's been a few weird things in the pre-draft process where. 
people can't get a hold of him to schedule private workouts. That that's crucial. That's she only answers the phone happen. on Mondays from three to four. It's yeah, sort of like confession in the Catholic Church. Sorry. There is a great podcast episode by Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks called Move the Sticks. We'll shout another podcast because they do more around the league stuff. They don't talk about the Steelers enough, but that's what you have us. Um, they did a 360 report on Lamar Jackson where they talked to his high school coach, his college coaches, and then other guys, and they talked to Michael Vick. And the high school and college coaches both mentioned that you're going to have to get to know his mom. And his mom seems like an awesome lady, and she's a big reason for why he is where he's at. And he, he gives her a lot of credit for making him tough and all this stuff. But at a certain point, like, dude, NFL teams can't get a hold of this guy. Also, apparently, his personal trainer, who he's doing all of his offseason workouts, is like his childhood best friend. And like at a certain point, dude, we need some account of like we need to be able to find you. That's odd. That's hurting his stock and all this weird wide receiver talk. She wasn't doing anything to help spin that narrative for him. He didn't run the 40 in any of his offseason activities. It's like, dude, those things could have been used as positive spins to get the Lamar Jackson campaign going. And it, it, he has zero off-the-field issues at all. Squeaky clean, great guy, quiet kid. But these things are a little bit weird to me because, you know, a lot of the success at the NFL level kind of revolves around who you have around you. And it's not like these people are bad influences, obviously, but I don't know. That you need an agent, dude. Why can't we get a hold of you? It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Gonna get drafted. All right. Let's let's Just talk about, about let's talk about another guy out of the Kansas mold in that factory, Josh Rose, six four, two eighteen. Huh? No, Cali- they're all, he was in your California. They are created job. in a factory in Kansas. They can go I to think you were thinking of last year because the next three guys we're talking about are all manufactured in California, not Baker, but Sam, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen, the Joshes, as we call them. They're all California kids. I'm going right. to go through this real quick. We got Josh Rosen. We got Baker Mayfield, Sam Donald, and Josh Allen. Okay, my favorite of the group is Josh Rosen, a.k.a. the Rosen one from UCLA. He is a better version of a Mason Rudolph. He's just a prototypical NFL pocket passer, slow white guy quarterback. He's been a beast on every level. He's been number one recruit out of high school. He's, you know, obviously one of the top recruits here going into the NFL. He reminds me a, a lot of like a Matt Ryan or maybe Turd Brady in the fact that he can really stand in the pocket. You could put him back in a shotgun. You could put him under center. And he tell him, all right, Josh, just drop back and scan the field and make throws at every single level of the defense and just win the game for us. Like when you watch him at UCLA, his coaches didn't do him a lot of favors with like great play design, getting people open. And for a team that has a great recruiting class every year, they don't have like a ton of talent, right? So he does a lot with a little. He reminds me of those frustrating pocket passers who you can't really stop. He has the best pure passer of the group and the most ready to start early. Baker Mayfield, you all know about him. He has a lot of swagger. He actually has a lot of similarities to Rosen and the fact that he is super accurate. He's a good athlete. He's not going to be a runner in the NFL because he's not fast enough to really like pick up yards that way, but he's one of those types of dudes who can avoid pressure, make a big throw, and then maybe like scramble for a first down every once in a while. But he's not like Russell Wilson fast and 
Uh, so he'll have to follow the Drew Brees trajectory because he's only six feet tall. But luckily, he is super accurate and obviously super competitive. That's Baker. So another guy back to California, Sam Darnold. Back to California. Sam Darnold, he is the weird number one pick because I like Sam Darnold. He's definitely a first-round guy. But for the guy who's touted to be the number one pick, I I would pick him after all of these other guys that I'm mentioning. Um, I'd pick him probably number one before Lamar or obviously before Mason Rudolph. He's not in this conversation at all. I think he's like a second-round guy. But Darnold, he's got some issues. I think people fell in love with him in his great bowl game two years ago against Penn State. He played this glorious game as a freshman, made a huge comeback, won the games in the final moments on a great last-second drive. Um, he's got prototypical size, 6'4". He's got the prototypical chin for an NFL quarterback. It's enormous. He's a real cool dude, straight up. He's very calm, and it does come across when you watch him that he's a calm quarterback. But I just hear that too much as like his, his best quality. Like, look how calm he is. Well, I, I need to know how he throws, right? Well, his arm is, is good enough. He's just got a solid NFL arm. He's creative and he moves around in the pocket, but he turns the ball over a ton. And that's not good. He's got 20 interceptions in the last 20 games. He's got tiny little Oompa Loompa hands and he fumbles all the time. Nine fumbles this year. And uh, yeah, I I think that he's a really good quarterback because when he flashes, he makes every single throw. Like I said, he can be a pocket passer or create out of nothing, but he needs to learn more consistently how to stop bailing after his first read and sit in there and make throws. But he's young. He has a lot of upside and he's got, he looks the part. That chin is miraculous. Is that a cowboy? Yeah. Is that a gaucho? Best I could is that a Wyoming cowboy? I heard it because it sounded just like Josh Allen, the last guy we're breaking down. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Who comes out of Wyoming? Who's been out of Wyoming? Nobody good, but Josh Allen's going to try and do it. Everyone wants to call him the second Big Ben and the second Andrew Luck. He's 6'5", 223. As far as physical specimens go, he might be the best physical prospect we've ever seen at quarterback. He legitimately might have the best arm of all time coming out of college. That's Jamarcus Russell, you know, better arm than Cutler or Jeff George. Michael Vick, all these kind of guys who had great arms. Josh Allen is a physical stud. He could throw the ball 600 yards and 400 miles per hour. Those are slight exaggerations, but he easily has the best arm we've seen in forever. The only problem is he just can't complete passes. (laughs) He's completed under 60% of his passes at every level of football. And it comes with an asterisk in college because he's – His interceptions went down every year while he was in college, and his completion percentage went up, so it shows improvement. But his team at Wyoming was a dumpster fire. They have 0.0 NFL talent, so it really was a situation. They put him into the Russell Wilson situation, but at least Russell Wilson had a couple people around him. This guy had no one. Where it's basically like, yeah, we're just going to throw you out there and just throw bombs all day against teams that are way better than you. So... When you see him make gorgeous throws, he makes throws that nobody else can make. But he just he hasn't completed the ball consistently enough. He is um, kind of like a mixture of Ben and Aaron Rodgers 
like a poor man's version where he's he's huge like Ben and he has like he's slippery and big like that, but he has some of the straight line speed of Rogers, all the physical tools in the world, um, the highest upside of anyone in this class. Uh, like I was saying before with him and Jackson, but him probably even more because he he has that size. But dude, I I don't know. You've never completed sixty percent of your passes ever. And we went in back to seventh Juco grade. high school. We went back to seventh yeah. grade to Fireball. Where his actually sister, I think, took yeah. over for him in a game that they were behind in, so and did better. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. <laughs> well, his sister's amazing quarterback, Joshina. Now, Josina, actually, excuse me, that's inaccurate. But we're going to hold his seventh grade stats against him. No, we're not. I'm kidding. Actually, fun fact, you guys: Baker Mayfield, when he was a freshman in high school, he was five two, five two. <laughs> hold out hope, everybody, for your child scholarship. Yeah, yeah, because. <laughs> I'm sure Baker Mayfield's come along all the time. But, yeah, Josh Allen, huge, he's kind of a yeah huge upside. We just got to see him make some improvements. But Steelers aren't taking any of these guys. They have the best quarterback in history at Ben Roethlisberger. They got him for probably seven more years and three more Super Bowls. So 40 minutes and of your that, life that you'll never get back after having listened to this podcast. But it was interesting, wasn't it? Um, we, hey, that's the way to tear us down right after we built it back up. See, yes. We're going to see what we are like on Thursday <laughs> to do a like a quick snapshot after that first round pick. We might kick out a podcast then. But we do ask you to subscribe to the show. You're already listening to us. Hopefully you can just subscribe on your app or you're already subscribed. We work hard every week and we try to get this thing out every Monday. We've been consistent for 34 weeks in a row. Who would have thought? Me and you. And Steelers Nation will know as well. We are committed. Soon enough, we'll be, we'll be breaking down our superstar that we're going to inevitably get in the first round. It's going to change the fortunes of the franchise forever as we ride him to a glorious Super Bowl victory over the Eagles this year. As I have predicted, as we have already dismantled the Flyers, their fan base um, once again continued their tradition of throwing full beer cans at other human beings. But... Uh, They'll be, they'll be plenty motivated and plenty sad after we annihilate their Eagles in the Super Bowl. So we're going to so go way back. We're going to go back to the embryonic stage. We're going to call them off. We're going to try and get the sonograms from that, from that player, and we're going to work our way forward. This will take us exactly 52 weeks. We yes. are striving to make this show as informative and entertaining as possible, so we need your feedback. You have multiple avenues to get to us. Hit us up on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. We're actually uh, somewhat amusing sometimes, at Steelers Outpost. Yeah, we are. Leave us a note on our blog, come to the website at SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Anything to add, Nick? That's it. Talk to us, guys. I got nothing to add. If you guys want me to do another 45 minutes of quarterback breakdowns, I can do that, but it doesn't matter because these guys are all losers in the long run, and the Steelers are going all the way, and the season starts now, everybody. Looking forward to the draft. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be wacky. We'll be breaking it down on Twitter. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.